My dearest beloved, this is the letter, my darling, the one I hope you shall never have to read. Only the latest in the lifelong string of them I have written you, and yet the one about which I have the most trepidation. If you have received this, our blockade of the fathomless heaven has run afoul of those forces of which I have warned you. You must initiate all our discussed precautions regarding the children without delay, particularly as regards Atticus. His status as our oldest carries dangers I need not remind you of. The city ship is truly a haunting sight in the far distance. I fear that the power of its mere presence has imposed upon my crew a malaise that weakens their resolve and worms obtrusive thoughts into their minds. Archer's insistence that the ship would be better off sunk into the fog does not help matters at the least. Yet I find, despite it all, that thoughts of you make the long day's joyous ones love. Ever has it been, and ever will it be so. If this letter comes to you without that which I must locate on the wreck, then go to our mutual friend immediately. Do not wait for my return. Though a prayer to the General and the Father of Mercy would not be unwarranted. Always and forever, my sweet beak. Lord Commander Quiridon Silverwing, His High Majesty's Royal Navy. The journey onwards toward the blockade is fairly uneventful for a while uh, past this point. And a few hours later, uh, you guys see the ships of the uh, armada around the Fathomless Heaven start to come into view. You can see their uh, torches on their decks and so forth. They've got these different uh, patterns that they're flying in a great big circle around the ship. And... Um, before we move on to the next deal, uh, is there anything that you guys want to do during that block of time? Yes. Tulin is going to uh, examine the bat creature, uh, particularly the, the spear tip fingers, uh, and see if they are perhaps extra sharp or poisonous or something along those lines. Um, and if so, he's going to harvest them and see if he can turn them into some ballista bolts for some special use. So, um, let's see. What kind of role would he make for this? Uh, <laughs> gosh, that's a good question. Uh, for now, I'm going to go ahead and say give me an IQ roll. I rolled an 8, and my IQ is 12. Sorry, 11. Rolled an 8, IQ is 11. All right. So, uh, you examine the claws, and you see these are pretty wicked-looking things. They, um, the material that they're made out of, it's... I'm trying to think how to describe this. It's, it's hard, like metal, but it's also sort of flexible, kind of like a fingernail. And it's got sort of a serrated edge along the bottom of it. I wonder if one of these could be turned into some sort of sword. Hmm, I may have to keep one. Then he commenced to, commences to uh, cutting them off of the beast. And uh, he grabs a, a handful of ballista bolts and heads down to the workshop to get started on that. That begs the question, what are you guys going to do with the body? Are you just going to leave it on the deck or toss it overboard? Or So, in all honesty, um, Chip is actually pretty excited about this. He's, he says, you know, this bats make really good jerky. And having them up at this elevation, it's really easy to dry that meat. And then actually the skin itself from the wings actually makes really good patches on the ballast if we ever get a hole in our ballast, so we're. I think that would be a good project for Tulin after we're done um, harvesting the meat. 
Vaseline bless you, Chip. (laughs) Yes, Chip, that's an excellent idea. I think we also need to use some of that to repair the sails. Chip's going to grab grab the uh the scorpion and uh the scorpion uh ballista bullet and hand it to Fausta and says practice your swing miss Fausta Excuse me <laughs> I don't I don't and then Chip's going to say I don't really think I should uh have to ride a bat for more than 8 seconds at any given time ever again Well if I would have had my rapier, it would have been a different story. And I think she's going to take the uh, ballista bolt and just start running through um, warm-up drills. There you go. Perry, Perry, thrust, thrust. <laughs> All right. You do? So I'm going to do real quick. Okay. So by the time you guys get to this point where the um, armada has come into view, you've managed to get the sails somewhat, but not all the way patched. So the ship is still not as fast uh, as it is when it's in top condition, but it's it's not as slowed down as it was when the Cobalt Phoenix launched its attack there. So, like, what's the reaction when the ship comes into view? Is there a conversation happening about next steps or um, something else going on. What do you guys do when the uh, armada comes into view? Lord Commander Quiridon is going to hear about the uh, transgressions of Pomponius Goldfeather. And Faust is going to look at Wilhelm and say, I trust you know how to get us through this. Uh, Wilhelm is going to be Sipping on tea, still a bit shaky from everything that's gone on, and just go, well, uh, well, Fausta, we have to remember that technically neither us nor the Cobalt whatever, or uh, really any of the, the Dragon's Hand ships are even supposed to be out here, so... Um, let's see if we can actually, you know, get them to listen to us and not maybe arrest us for, you know, trying to pass through their embargo here. And then we'll see about, you know, telling them about the transgressions of this other, other ship. Um, and just like taking sips and going, oh boy. Was not expecting this to happen. (laughs) Wilhelm. Yeah? Is everything alright? Um. Yes, uh. As as you might remember from the first time we met, I'm not a big fan of violence. And, uh. I'm not totally unfamiliar with it, but I'm still not a fan. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I might be getting nauseous again. (laughs) And he goes down to his room to maybe, uh, maybe calm, calm himself for a little bit or even, you know, get into slightly more formal wear. He says, I'm going to go dress uh, appropriately for this. I'll, I'll see you on deck in a bit. (laughs) Very well. Wilhelm. Yes, Captain. I'm counting on you. Thank you. You you can do that. You can count on me. And he, you know, he goes and prepares. All right. So as Wilhelm is down in his room uh, preparing and getting changed into his uh, attire and so forth, uh, everyone up on deck suddenly feels the need to roll for perception. I don't think I've made a single perception roll today. Oh no. Oh, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> um I got it right on the nose. Okay, so Fausta, you hear an ominously familiar flapping noise coming from kind of the starboard rear of the ship 
and you kind of swivel your head around to look in that direction and sure enough there is another of these bat creatures coming in and you can see the cobalt phoenix um off to the side it's kind of like keeping pace with you guys in the same direction that this is coming from like you didn't notice it before but it's kind of uh, so if you guys are going straight in it's kind of coming at an angle where it's gonna cross your path but you notice something really strange about the bat creature's uh, flight pattern this time it doesn't seem to be going after the scarlet keelan uh, it appears to be going after the cobalt phoenix and it's like diving at the deck of the cobalt phoenix and um, you can see uh, crewmen and people running around and waving their arms. And um, I'm trying to remember, did Fausta take observation? Yes. Uh, give me an observation roll. <laughs> oh, no. um, that's not, it's not going to do much. I just rolled a 17. Oh dear, we have a critical failure. <laughs> well, I imagine on perception, it's not like, ah, oh, my eyes exploded or anything. <laughs> right. So, perfect, good job crit failing a perception roll. Hey, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as the ship keeps coming through, and um, so you're the two ships are moving, and you're pulling closer to the armada, and you're getting close enough now that the, the Armada has spotted you like some of their um, you can see some of their crewmen like moving around and pointing off in your direction. And then all of a sudden you hear the voice of Pomponius Goldfeather call out from the deck of the Cobalt Phoenix. Help! Help! Oh, help! These pirates have summoned a demon to destroy us! And then like everyone on the Cobalt Phoenix just starts shouting out for help like, oh no, help us! Help us! And they're like pointing back at your ship and saying, oh, they summoned a demon to destroy us. And like pointing at the demon flying around. And you can see the runic summoner like standing towards the back of the ship, like behind something where the armada won't be able to see him. And he's just like doing a little dance. like <laughs> Find your center. Find your balance. They've just accused you of being a pirate. You are not a pirate. So, oh gosh, I'm trying. Let me get my character sheet up real quick. Fausta is going to go to Malin um, as quickly as she can. And she's going to say, we need to outpace them. We have to make this thing go faster. Well, we'll do what we can, Miss Fausta. If we have to, uh, if we have to take off our shirts and tie them up to the masts. And so he starts whipping his crew into shape and the Havarg start leaping up and, you know, like a couple of them are even like manually holding tears in the sail taut to put on more speed and they're doing the best they can. Uh, where's Tulin? Tulin! And I think she's going to go find Tulin and see if he's got any quick fixes or ideas to get us out from behind these folks and make it look like they're chasing us. As she comes into the workshop and explains the situation, Tulin stretches his reptilian chin for a moment, says, Well, I do have the theory, since so much of the ship is steam-powered, if we were to intentionally rupture the steam line at the back of the ship, the escaping steam may propel us forward, more rapidly than we would, but without doing any tests, I couldn't say just how much more rapidly or quite how long it would last. I suspect it wouldn't last all of that long because sooner or later the boiler would be empty. And then, of course, we would have to repair it after the fact. Is it going to take us out of the sky? I don't think it would keep us out of the sky. I believe that our ballast would still be inflated uh it would simply we would lose some of the power to the other parts of the ship but i've been thinking about this for just emergencies just such as this where you need a sudden burst of speed 
to escape some sort of danger, but it doesn't need to be prolonged, and you can make repairs afterward. Well, yes, let's try it. Um, and then, uh, where's... I need Vagnera and Wilhelm, and she's... Tulin, I, I put this in your hands. Please make haste. And he grabs his little toolkit and heads towards the stern of the ship. And then Fausta's heading to find Wilhelm and Vagnera. So I would say um, Wilhelm has probably changed by now. Yeah, I would. I would agree. So I I assume that Faust has made me uh, abreast of the situation, and uh, I'm just like that bastard's trying to make it look like we attacked them. Um, okay. We got to go do a double check and make sure that uh, that nobody on board actually knows how to summon demons. And so that, you know, the, the more that we can make it apparent that that couldn't possibly be us, the better off we are. Very well. Could we pass it off to somebody else? We need to get on an escape boat well, and well, get to the armada. So just a a quick question. Is that going to be realistic? Will that get us there any faster than the ship? I mean, the armada is already visible to us. Oh, like taking one of the lifeboats and. Yeah, the lifeboats aren't going to move any more quickly than a big powered ship. And it pose their own inherent risks. This is true. Um, my thought on it is us three making it to the Armada first, just because I imagine that they're going to send out their own investigative boats to come check out what the problem is. Um, or they might just shoot us. I don't know. But I imagine that a lifeboat probably doesn't pose as big of a threat as what obviously looks like a pirate ship. <laughs> yeah, fuck, I guess we are on what was a pirate ship. I don't know, it just didn't make any sense to me that a tiny lifeboat was going to move more quickly than the ship, and therefore it would actually hinder us. Right, well, and this is also, also my plan B in case the steam, in oh, case there's just, yeah. like, not enough oomph. Okay, because basically what what Wilhelm was going to do was go check among the Hearthfleet uh, third pilgrimage to go, hey, none of you happen to be runic summoners, do you? Because it's going to look real bad for us and figure out what to do in case one of them did happen to dabble. Because also we've kept parts of the carcass of the one that we had on deck and that maybe we can go look like, why would we summon one just to kill it? Like, we're not that desperate for supplies. But, like, we were attacked. And, and there's damage done to us. That's kind of the angle I wanted to take. Yeah, that's fine. I'm down with that one. Okay. Well, then I think Wilhelm's... Oh, go ahead, Aaron. Um, I'm gonna... One of the other dogs is barking to go out now, <laughs> rather insistently, so... Okay. I'm going to let her out right quick, and I'll be right back. All right, I'm going to go use the restroom while I'm at it. All right, I'm coming, sweetie. Um, okay, out of game, out of character. Since we have visual on the Armada, would we be able to signal them in any way? Like, maybe we have signal lights, and we can signal ahead of them, saying that we'd been attacked by this demon, and apparently there's one now attacking the, whatever the other ship's called. Uh, you know, be, be prepared for an attack because it's attacked both of us and not necessarily shifting blame to both, to the other ship, but that would at least put in the question of where did it come from since it attacked both of us. 
you know, it's an armada. They have to be able to have some kind of ship-to-ship -ship communication. And as far as I know, we don't have radios in this world. So that leaves flags and lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there, yeah, there has to be a more effective method of communicating between ships other than, help, help. I'm sure they've got some kind of a flag communication system with the armada. I'm sure they have semaphore during the day, but if it's at night, the pretty much the only thing they could use is signal light. It might just be torchlight signals. Yep. One if by land, two if by sea, three if by airship, <laughs> four if by giant bat demon. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> might, you might want to rethink your demon jerky. It's not like it'd be eating possessed demon goat, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, hey, who's to say that demon is like off, <laughs> off bounds meat to eat in this world? Maybe it's all like it's not special. It's just a little, you know, sulfury. <laughs> Maybe that's how they feed everyone. Since you know, there's not really room for livestock. They just have a bunch of runic summoners, and and they just summon demons and slaughter them and feed them to people. Aaron, we solved we solved uh, Verilon's world hunger problem while you were gone. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So instead of livestock, we just have a bunch of runic summoners, and they will summon demons, which are then immediately slaughtered and and butchered and sold to the masses. There you go. <laughs> Nether bush meat. I disagree with this plan. All right, and speaking of plans, uh, the plan was, I recall, to go speak to uh, the Havarg pilgrims and make sure that none of them are runic summoners, yes? Uh, that That is a plan that we did discuss. It also sounds like we've uh, been talking about, surely there's methods that um, ships in this world can signal uh, for distress especially because it's getting dark. And so maybe we should be signaling to the Armada in a way that indicates, hey, we've been under attack. And it seems time is of the essence if the other ship hasn't started doing that themselves. Hmm. Okay. So, um, and I don't know. It, it seems to me that Wilhelm, being that he's had plenty of experience out on the seas and has probably had to signal for distress and stuff knows that, Hey, we need to get on that. And we'll also go find Malin and basically interrogate and go, we don't, do we have runic summoners on the ship? Because it seems that our attackers would frame us so that they look like the attacked. And, um, Malin shakes his head. He says, well, no, no, we don't have any, uh, any mages. I mean, well, let's see. I'm going to roll my naming dice here. Oh. Do, 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 do. I mean, uh, Valdosh's grandfather, I think, may have, may have been a mage who summoned things, but as far as I know, he doesn't. Well... As far as I know, I don't know Valdasha. Take me to them and tell them to start signaling that we're in distress. The faster we get lights up, the better it looks for us. So, uh, Malin gives the order to Varela, and Varela starts whipping the crew to go get the, um, get the signal lights up. So they're climbing up the mast into the rigging and setting lights along the uh, flight bladder and so forth to get the uh, distress signal in place. And Malin tracks down Valdasha and uh, kind of drags him down off of where he's getting ready to climb up. And he says, what sort of magic was it that your grandfather practiced? Valdasha's kind of shaking. He says, what? what my, my grandfather? He, well, he, he had some sort of little, uh, 
little magical animal that he could, he'd like draw a circle on the ground and conjure it up out of nothing. Okay, but do you do that? Well, I've tried a couple of times. It's never worked. Okay, as far as we're concerned, no, you haven't. And he looks at the rest of the crew and says, none of you have, okay? If you just so happen to have the supplies to do that, that shit goes overboard. And you don't tell me about it. Capiche? Yes, sir. <laughs> so it's just sort of like a collective. And Valdasha kind of like <laughs> goes scurrying down below decks. To... Ooh, okay. And he just like walks off like, I don't need this shit. <laughs> we get attacked and then they make it look like we're the ones who are attacking. And, and I don't even know what the fuck that thing was. How the hell am I going to summon one? <laughs> and just, just ranting as he like, you know, heads back to, to uh, Fausta. And so, yeah, that's, that's Wilhelm. That's all I know. All right. So, uh, while this is going on, uh, of course, the, the ships are still proceeding and, they start to come within um, range where you guys can see steamers moving around on the decks of the Armada ships, and you can start to see some detail of what they're doing. And um, there's a pair of ships come towards the front. One of them is a Varathi vessel, and the other one is an Aurai vessel. And they're both sort of bringing ballista to bear on this creature, and uh, you can hear an officer call out an order and a few... <laughs> like warning bolts kind of go out toward the, uh, toward the creature and, um, Pomponius's crew like increases the, their lamentations on board the deck. Oh no, no, you know, they're just really hamming it up. Uh, let's see here. Do do do. Is there anything else you guys want to do before, uh, Tulin attempts the speed boost? I, I can't think of a single thing I'd like to try. All right, then. So, Tulin, it is all you. So, Tulin finds a steam pipe roughly at the center of the back of the ship, as close to the outer wall as he can find. And he will pull out his tools and, and commence cutting a hole in the back of the ship, since it doesn't actually have to be seaworthy. So, uh, cut a hole. Uh, if there's anything around for him to scrounge, to make like a, a pipe or a nozzle to make it out of the ship, he will do that. And then it's just kind of close your eyes. If, if he can find a valve, he will, he will use the valve. If, if not, he will just take a hammer and chisel and poke a hole. All right, now I'm trying to remember, did you take the mechanic skill or just the engineering skill? Uh, just the engineering skill. Okay, so give me a engineering roll and follow that up with a scrounging roll, if you would, please. I'm not going to follow the rules of the scrounging skill exactly the way they're written in here because, yeah, we're just not. <laughs> um. So the engineering role was a nine. Uh, my engineering skill is 13. And the scrounging role was a seven. Uh, and his scrounging is 12. Okay, so you managed to cleanly cut uh, the hole in the back there. You find a good spot for this thing. And you remember that there's an old, uh, like, coal bucket back there. There's, like, an extra one sitting in the engine room. So you grab that, and you're able to, um, like, slice the bottom out of it, and it's just, like, the perfect fit to fit into this thing to make, like, a funnel coming out from this pipe. So you're able to get it fixed in there, jury-rig something to get that in there. So pretty much everything is ready to go when you're ready to fire this thing off. Well, let's see. They didn't tell me whether I should wait or anything, so I guess speed is of the essence. And let's rip. All right. Um, a quick question. 
how far away am I from that end of the ship when he um, lets it rip? And is it something where I can visibly see the burst of steam? Let's see. So you would probably be like you and Faster are probably like on the quarter deck. I'm thinking right where the captain would stand during an engagement. Sure. So that's going to be probably towards um, not all the way to, but uh, in the direction of the stern of the ship. So, I mean, you'd definitely be close enough to hear the steam discharge when it comes out and you wouldn't see it actually coming out of the ship, but you would definitely see like the steam, like the trail of it once it gets going. Do you think that warrants a trigger on my bigger disadvantage? Hmm. Let's see here. Now, the way we have it written, steam burst, especially in bright settings. And it's dark right now, but it does. It is going to be a pretty big steam burst. I'm going to say yes. Okay. So this is my potential uh, post-traumatic stress trigger for Wilhelm here. Oh, I make my will roll. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I make it by three. Uh I rolled a seven. So um, I think it still spooks him. And he's just like, the fuck is that? And he had. Um, so, yeah, does it make the ship go faster? <laughs> Do I am actually going to let the dice decide that. It does. Okay. I think once I he feels the ship kind of he he does the whole head like, you know, like just looks maybe goes pale for a second and then just looks around and <laughs> goes, okay. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was a close one. Wilhelm, I'm going to ask you again. Is everything all right? It's going to be. We'll, we'll talk about it after we get to the Armada and deal with all of that. From below decks, you guys hear Tulin screaming, Yes! Yes! Eat steam, bitches! <laughs> I'm curious, what's Chip's reaction to this when the uh, speed booster goes off there? Well, I'm going to hold on to dear life. All right. So as the uh, Scarlet Keelan picks up speed there, um, you start to come abreast of the Cobalt Phoenix and... You can hear uh, Pomponius a little bit more clearly. He's like yelling at the steamers on the Aurai ship. Uh, they have the uh, gold feather flag hoisted up on the ma- masts. He's saying, "Oh, you must save me! I am, I am a Stratocast Lord, and these pirates—they're—they're they're trying to destroy me!" And you know, there's some bolts going off toward the creatures. No, no shooting! That won't help. You have to sink their ship. You have to sink their ship, so the caster will die. And um, you can tell, like, the, the steamers on board the Aurai ship are kind of looking at each other. He's like, okay, you know, he's got the right sigil on his ship. You know, he's a Stridger cast. What are we supposed to do here? <laughs> um, should we? I, uh, I think I look at Faust and say, we need to raise our flag. And can we, can we uh, be, can we say that we have a flag that has Faust's family insignia upon it? So that we're not hoisting a pirate flag. Because if we got a pirate flag, we don't need to hoist it. So um, I'm going to say this is uh, this is one of those situations where Vagnera comes through uh, in the clutch here. Miracle clutch. Uh, and he comes up from below decks and he has uh, he has uh, like a part not entirely finished, but, you know, a partially completed flag with the crest of. Uh, Fausta's noble house on it and he kind of holds it up and he says I hope this will suffice Master Wilhelm I could kiss you on the beak (laughs) but I won't (laughs) I wouldn't kiss him Vegnera I've seen him um, be physically ill more than (laughs) once today really noted Miss Fausta (laughs) (laughs) God that is great All right. So let's see here. Um, So you guys 
hoist the flag. And with the two flags hoisted, uh, the Aurai and the Armada are just, they're kind of, they don't know, really don't know what to do. So at this point, the Varathi ship kind of comes sailing in and you hear a human voice call out from the Varathi ship says, you know, both of you stand down and prepare to be boarded. We will shoot that creature out of the sky at the earliest opportunity. And uh, so then you kind of see Pomponius like really quick turn and signal to his crew. And uh, they all start yelling things like, oh, no, no, we have to keep going or it will destroy us. No. And, and so the, um, the bat creature swings around and it strafes the side of the two warships with its sonic blast there. And you can see, uh, it doesn't do as much on the Varathi ship, but on the Aurai ship, you can see, ah, you know, ears being covered and it kind of disables that ship for a bit there. And in the chaos, the Cobalt Phoenix um, puts on speed and manages to make it past the blockade. However, it is about this time that the speed boost on the Scarlet Keelan gives out and you guys return to normal speed. And um, the two warships are bearing down on you. And uh, the Varathi officer is still shouting out, you know, prepare for boarding. I, I say we comply. <laughs> we're not we're not looking to to not comply with them, right? No, I mean, we haven't been doing anything aggressive, have we? We have not. OK. And, you know, waves to the crew like. Slow us down, let them board. All right, so the um, Varathi vessel comes up alongside you guys. Uh, a couple of grappling hooks come out and latch onto the railings there. And like a docking ramp sort of goes out. There's sort of like a steam-powered docking ramp they have that goes out and like latches onto your uh, side rail there. And an officer uh, comes up and stands and he sort of surveys the ship he says, this blockade has been put in place to keep civilians out of a very dangerous area. Now, what is your business in this part of the sky? First of all, we're not ordinary civilians, and we would like to speak to Lord Quiridon. Well, I'm afraid I'm not the person to get you to Lord Quiridon, but I might be able to get you to the next best thing if you're that eager to see someone in charge. Naturally. So he uh, starts signaling to the Aurai ship and they sort of come in along the other side and some grappling hooks go onto your um, other side of your ship. And so they basically start towing you guys along. And within a few minutes, um, a very large warship comes into view. Um, This thing is a, um, it's a pinion class ship. So We'll get into this at some point, but I have the different sizes of ships named after like the different types of owl feathers. Uh, <laughs> so the largest being a pinion class ship. So this is like um, if you were to compare it to a seafaring um, sailing ship, this is like a ship of the line. One of those ones that had like, you know, 80 guns on each side. Uh, Wilhelm, you actually recognize this vessel as soon as you see it. Uh, you have been on it before. Uh, this is the VSS Diamond Riposte. And your heart kind of sinks a little bit when you see this oh. thing here, because the Diamond Riposte, while it is a warship and has all the necessary uh, equipment in that regard, it was constructed more as a diplomatic showpiece than anything else. Um, so it, it is armed, but it has virtually zero armor. Um, in favor of making it look good, uh, where they would normally have like areas for steamers to exercise and train on board. There are like water gardens and things instead. This is the ship where like if the Aurai High King comes to visit, this is the ship they transport him around with. Uh, If Varathi diplomats are going out to visit somebody and they need a show of power, um, this is the ship they roll out. So the fact that the Diamond Riposte is leading the Varathi contingent of this blockade tells you one of two things. Either the Varathi are not taking the potential threat of the Fathomless Heaven seriously at all, or they were taken so completely off guard by it that this was the only ship they had available at the time. 
Well, this should be interesting. Just a, a gigantic example of phallical hubris. Oh well, we're we're kind of bound to this path anyway. So, uh, the ships take you up to the uh, edge of the diamond repost there, and another uh, docking ramp comes out and hooks on, and uh, an officer of the deck comes up, and um, so the officer from the other warship, and he kind of confer and he explains the situation. So the officer of the deck looks at you and he says, "All right." Who's in charge here? <laughs> I, th- I think uh, I think Wilhelm is just going to step in and say, "Well, the the captain of our ship and the leader of our uh, expedition here is uh, right here," and he he points to Fausta. And uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to remind you, uh, Wilhelm, of something from an earlier session. Yes. Uh, you did find out that the commander of the Verathi contingent of this blockade was uh, Commander Archer, who you are familiar with. He knows. Yes. You. Yes. Is this is this the one speaking with us then? Uh, no, it's not him. But um, this this is an officer that would work directly with him. Like he's a high ranking person on the ship. Okay. Um, I I don't think I'm gonna change and say that you know. I'm in charge or anything, but I'm going to say I, I do speak on behalf of our captain here, uh, Fausta, but um, I do happen to know uh, what is his rank? Uh, commander. Uh, I, I do happen to know Commander Archer and would believe that we do have important business with him if he'll have us. Hmm. And what did you say your name was? Um, Wilhelm. Mm. And I do yeah, just, just let him know that, uh, Wilhelm requests an audience with him. Wait here. So he walks over and, um, he walks over to the quarter deck and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this or not, but, uh, if not, you will be now. So on old style sailing ships, uh, they used to have a thing. Uh, called a speaking tube, and it was basically a metal tube that ran from the quarter deck down into the captain's quarters. So um, you could speak into that tube on the quarter deck and alert the captain of things uh, happening when he was down in his quarters. And similarly, the captain could use that tube. He could speak into it to give orders uh, to the crewmen who were up on deck um, from within the comfort and convenience of his cabin. So the officer of the deck walks over and he talks into the speaking tube, you know, listens at it. This conversation goes back and forth. He walks back over and he says, Archer will speak to Wilhelm. The rest of you are to stay on board. Um, Wilhelm looks at Fausta and kind of gives her a look like, are you okay with this? Um... Fausta is going to do the most confident looking unsure nod ever. <laughs> I think it, part of her would defer to Vignera and look to him. Um, is, is it okay for him to go by himself? So um, Vignera kind of leans in and he says, it was precisely this sort of situation that you brought him on board this crew for Miss Fausta. Very well. Um, Wilhelm, please come back safely. He nods and uh, goes goes forward with the crew to, to go speak with Commander Archer. Right. So uh, they take you through some of the uh, very fancy, flush-looking uh, corridors of the Diamond Repost, and you end up in Archer's office. And when you walk in the door... Um, Archer stands up, he looks at you, and uh, shakes his head, and he says, Son of a bitch, it's really you. Oh, I didn't believe it when that came down through the speaking tube. Get over here! (laughs) He kind of, like, opens his arms for a hug. (laughs) Uh, And I go in and hug him, and I'm like, I can't believe that they stuck you with this thing. (laughs) Oh, 
I'll tell you, we've been scrambling ever since the word came in that this thing was out here. Uh, I wish they'd given me a proper capital ship, but they're all out on maneuvers right now. Well, you know, I I really hope that you don't come under attack in this thing. You know, you know what they said and you know what I've said. Gosh, an awful lot of show just for what? It's a glass cannon. Oh, no kidding. I tell you, whoever designed this thing was compensating for something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, so, Wilhelm, what in the world has me running into you here of all places? Well, I took a job, and uh, it's, it's a very interesting job, and uh, I'm... Obviously, you know what's going on on the other side of this blockade, but um, are are you aware of the efforts of the dragon's hand to uh, play a, an impartial hand in this whole Fathomless Heaven investigation? Hmm. Well, we didn't know that it was the dragon's hand, but we suspected something was afoot. Well, anyway, the, the ship that got through... Just watch out because that that bat thing that they had that was chasing them was of their own design. It looks like they kind of got their way in the end. Um, and they're probably not the only group that's trying to bypass. We were hoping to take a more diplomatic route. I have to say your uh, friends there were lucky they didn't cross where a uh, Quiridon ship was. I tell you, I miss the days when uh, Varathi and the Aurai Nation had officer exchange programs. I would love to learn from that man. I have never seen a more brilliant tactical mind. Nothing's getting through this blockade with uh, him here unless there's bribery or bloodshed involved, I can tell you that. Well, gosh, after, after getting attacked by that other ship, who were hired by the same folks that hired us, I wouldn't put it past anybody. I don't even know who we're working with at this point. Regardless, I am working at the uh, quick reminder or from the, you know, out of character to the crew. Fausta, what is your family's last name? I've been looking through our messages to try to find it and I can't remember it. Her family name is, uh, it's a hyphenated name. It is Parabeek Garnetwing. Parabeek? Uh, yeah, uh, Parabeek, like uh, P-A-R-I, Beak, okay. uh, hyphen, Garnet Wing, like the Garnet Stone. Yeah. Um, I'm working for a Periwing hyphen, oh, Jesus Christ, I keep, it's too many syllables. <laughs> anyway, what Aaron said, you know, <laughs> I've, I'm working f for, um, one of the the daughters of the miracle clutch from that family. So um seems that she's been given an assignment as part of her uh, studies at my alma mater. And uh, we're trying to investigate this in earnest and we're hoping to be able to negotiate and maybe find passage. Um, you know, if, if there's some way we can get through, we're not looking to cause any harm. We're only looking to help. And we've we've killed one of those damn bat things. We've harvested so much of it. Our, so uh, the ship we were going to have, that guy, so resourceful, just goes, let's make jerky out of the thing. All this stuff's beside the point. Um, I'm glad I ran into you, of all people. Um, for first things first, it's so great to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Never thought I'd run into you, especially out on a ship after, uh, well, you know, mm. but you know, uh, how, how are things going out here? How's the blockade holding up? I, I hope there haven't been too many other intrusions. Well, there haven't been any outside intrusions. What does that mean? Wilhelm, I'm going to tell you something here, and you need to promise me that this doesn't go any farther than you and your employer. 
as always, you know me. We had a bit of a uh, security breach aboard the fleet. Uh, one of our ships went rogue and decided to launch their own investigation onto the craft. Went went rogue? Yes. One, one of the Varathi ships? Well, it was primarily an Aurai crew, but they took a Varathi ship that was set aside for repairs. It had some mechanical issues going on, uh, so it had minimal crew aboard. We don't know if they overpowered the crew or convinced them to join them, but they managed to get the ship rolling. And uh, by the time we realized what was going on, they were already halfway to the city ships. We sent a recovery crew to try and bring them back from the wreck, but... Unfortunately, once it came within sight, there was one crewman left on that vessel. Uh, he signaled them to turn back and then proceeded to scuttle his own ship. There was no sign of the rest of them. What? What's going on in the in the Aurai Armada? Like, I've I've heard of Queerdon. This doesn't sound like something that should. Pardon the pun, but doesn't sound like something that should fly under him. Not at all. Something strange is going on with the Aurai ship there. Unfortunately, Quiridon is being uh, rather tight-beaked with me about it. Aurai politics. Mm, I hear you there. Now, personally, this has me spooked enough that if it were up to me, we'd be putting bolts into that thing's flight bladder and have done with this already. But the fact that you're here makes me think that perhaps this whole mess with trying to investigate the thing actually has some merit. So I'm willing to back you up to Quiridon, but you've got to come up with a good reason for why you need to get through and onto that ship. If you can talk to your employer, perhaps she knows something. All I've been able to weasel out of Quiridon's people so far is that there was something aboard that vessel that they were hoping to recover. Hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll speak with uh I'll speak with our captain. I don't know all of the details of her assignment, and they seem mostly scholastic, but I mean she is striggy. Um she may be more abreast of politics than than you or I in uh, the Aurai culture so maybe she'll have some insight um and and uh gosh how should i refer to out of character how should i refer to Wagnera if not a servant because he's more than that but i'm sure there's like an official title um his official yeah attendant would kind of be his official title okay cool sorry it just came to me as i thought um i'll just say and her her attendant um, I, I wonder if she realizes how fortunate she is to have somebody like that so loyal to her. Um, and I'm sure he's, he's wise beyond his years, but I imagine he's just as clever. Maybe, maybe we can find something out from him. Wow. That is under, under Quiridon's rank, under a Lord commander. And he's, he's high ranking Striggy himself, isn't he? Oh, yes. Yes, his father is in the court of the High King, one of his inner circle. Gosh, that's got to be... That'll be a PR nightmare if anything like that gets out for him. Maybe that's something that can be used as leverage. All right, well, if you'll back me, I'll do everything I can. All right, I certainly will. And it's about this point a... um... A voice comes through the speaking tube that says, Commander Archer, we are approaching the crossover point. We have eyes on the uh, HMS Iron Gizzard. Uh, About 15 minutes. So he says, hmm, that was faster than I thought. You'd better make that conversation quick, Wilhelm. So he uh, goes to the speaking tube and he says, All right, signal Iron Gizzard that we need a rendezvous. Yes, Commander. Okay, so, um, Wilhelm, are you going to uh, make straight for the ship to go talk to Fausta then? Yes. So, um, 
Pasta, do you have you been basically on deck this whole time on the Scarlet Keelan, or did would you have gone below decks? Do you think? I think I would have stayed on deck. All right. So you see Wilhelm coming uh, when he emerges and starts heading towards the ship, and I'm assuming Wilhelm is moving pretty quickly, huh? Yes, uh, brisk pace. Uh, not panicked or anything, but just like business in kind of a flow state. He's like, I've played these games before. So um, he he just directly up to Faustin says, we need to speak privately. And, uh, you know, leads her down, just down to deck. Maybe, I think part of that is more for show for everyone else on deck. But like once they're below deck, it's just going to be like, okay, let's let's talk. The The crew's cool. We know this. All right, what do we need to speak about? Um, so, Commander Archer um, will support us um, in, in helping to go forward with this investigation. But, basically, we have to convince Lord Commander Quiridon of this. And we need to make sure that we have an ironclad reasoning for getting this exception to go through. Um, now it does sound like, it does sound like there seems to be, there seemed to have been an incident in the Aurai Armada. What sort of incident? It seems a group, um, absconded with a Verathi ship and, uh, went about their own agenda going on towards the fathomless heaven and the thing as i'm sure you understand these kind of things do not happen under lord queridon so there's something serious going on but regardless we need to make sure that when we speak with lord queridon which is going to happen in minutes as as our ships are going to adjoin we need to make sure that our reasoning for going there will be good enough to convince him. I don't know that I know all the details of what your research entails of what you were assigned to do, Mm -hmm. but it would also sound like that there may be things that they're looking for as well. So we might be able to bargain with them. I don't know if I want to get into trying to pull leverage on going, we know that something is amiss and things are not going maybe as perfectly to plan under his command. I'd really like not to put any leverage on in that manner, but it's in our back pocket. Very well. Um, details, details about the, uh, the assignment. Um, well, Wilhelm, um, the purpose of this expedition is multifaceted. So we are looking for any trace of Professor Xavier, who went aboard the ship and possibly knew the latent purpose of it. Um, from what Professor Everick told me, I can't tell you if it's insidious or not, but the purpose of the Fathomless Heaven was not just to explore and colonize new areas of the sky, but he did not tell me what it was. So we are looking for the purpose of the ship, and we are looking for any trace of Professor Xavier. Well, I think any any purpose behind the flight of the ship that wasn't what they revealed to the public does sound pretty important. Was there any sort of evidence that, that there was some ulterior motive? Just hearsay, just hearsay in conversations. And I don't know if we need to be sharing this. They might not want us to know what the true purpose was. What if the governments already know and the civilians don't? 
I say we we say we're looking for Professor Xavier in the stead of my mentor to help him find closure as my senior project. Um, is Vognera with us? Oh, we can say that uh, you guys brought him okay. with. Yeah, because you had talked earlier about wanting to talk to both of them. Okay. Um, Vognera, do you... I'm I'm not uh, quite as up-to-date on the various politics of our I society as the two of you are. Um, I've not been in the loop for several years now. Um, now, this, this behavior of a ship just... Of crew mutinying and taking over the ship under the command of such a high-ranking officer, you wouldn't happen to know any... Is there any word on the street? Are there any rumors and or anything that could be, you know, that might indicate why something like this would happen. I have not heard anything concrete, Master Wilhelm. I have heard some rumblings that there are family issues within the House of Silverwing. Um, Lord Quiridon's brother and he have long not seen eye to eye on things. Perhaps he might have something to do with this, I'm not sure. His brother, Aegeon, is the um, lord set to inherit. Hmm. Damn, I did, I did promise Archer I wouldn't, I wouldn't disclose any information like that that he gave me. Outside of us, of course. All right. Um, I say we follow your lead on this, Fausta. We don't reveal that... We don't reveal right away that there's some ulterior motive of the fathomless heaven that we're investigating. But if it comes down to it, you know, can, can you trust the silver wings? Can you trust Lord Quiridon? And he looks to both of them, both Vognera and Fausta and says, I've only heard the utmost respect given to him in conversation. Fausta kind of hesitantly looks at Vagnera and then back to Wilhelm and well Wilhelm if I'm being honest I don't know if I would trust any member of the Strigicast completely but if there is one who you could put at least a little trust in it could be Lord Quiridon well keep that in mind as we discuss and negotiate I hold I hold Archer in that much esteem, and I wouldn't want to betray his trust. I'll follow your lead, and I'll do everything uh, within my power and skills to try and get us through here. Very well. Thank you, Wilhelm. I've always heard that uh, Lord Commander Quiridon is a principled individual, a man of honor, if you will. If you can appeal to his sense of right, I think that may help you. I appreciate that, Wagnera. Okay. I we're probably due to uh to dock any uh, any time now, so let's, let's make our way up and be ready, huh? Well, you guys make your way back up to the um deck there and as you guys are mounting the deck once again, the HMS Iron Gizzard uh, comes into play and it comes up and docks on the other side of the diamond repast and uh, the officer of the deck from the Varathi crew kind of motions you guys over and as you're walking over towards where the uh, docking ramp is on the iron gizzard there Fausta um, a human steamer comes up and sort of bumps into you as they're running from one place to another kind of making it um, look like they're accidentally running into you. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. And then they sort of grab your shoulder and they pull you in close and they say, lady, there's talk around the ship as to who your family is. I could get in serious trouble for sharing this, but I feel you have a right to know. The Aurai officer who led that rogue excursion under the fathomless heaven his name was Lord Sergeant Edmund Parabeek Garnet Wing. And then he 
lets go and just walks off into the rest of the crew like nothing happened. 